Well, we had a tremendous week in Southampton Roads. I'm going to give you the statistical report. Uh, we're still compiling some of the figures, so I can't give you the total report of it, but I want to share uh, some chunk of it with you. Then you're going to see a brief slideshow. The official shrimp video is being worked on by my son right now, along with a family video that he's trying to put together for a, a homecoming last weekend. So uh, we'll get that to you as soon as he finishes. He's doing it for free, so I can't put any pressure on him about that. And, uh, and then you're going to hear some testimonies from uh, some of our folks that were part of it. Let me share with you the statistics uh, as we've got them compiled thus far. We had 17 churches that participated uh, and were represented in the shrimp team. Uh, the shrimp team numbered over 200 folks, and that was a combination of folks that will be called out on the field, on the sites working, as well as the kitchen team. We had the hot dog team that uh, cooked hot dogs at one location and then shipped the hot dogs out uh, to multiple locations. We have a pastor, the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church that does that, and uh, his name is Pastor Bubba, and uh, literally that is what his name he goes by. He, call, he calls himself the Cowboy Pastor, and so we talk about getting a Bubba hot dog, uh, etc., and uh, he had 50 folks from his church uh, shifting in and out, doing all the cooking to supply the different sites, etc. The total enrollment of all of the Bible schools, and there were 11 vacation Bible schools and our sports camps. The total enrollment was 881 uh, that were enrolled. Of that number, uh, we saw uh, 107 people trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord for that. Follow-up for those folks is being conducted by South Norfolk Baptist Church as they begin uh, in a number of those communities running the bus by, and we passed out forms for them to sign to ride the church bus. Also, they are coordinating with several other churches in the area uh, to do follow-up to get these folks into church uh, and begin a discipleship process. And the discipleship process literally begins as soon as they trust Jesus as their Savior because they were handed one of these Bibles. Uh, and one of the aspects of shrimp this year was a mass Bible distribution, not only to the people that were in the Bible schools, but our teams would leave the property where the Bible school was being held in community parks and would go into the community. And we were handing out Bibles to every person uh, that would take one. They were sitting on the front porch, uh, walking down the street. I was at Tidewater Gardens the other afternoon, I guess it was Thursday afternoon, and at one point there were so many Bibles being handed out that if you looked up and down the street, everybody was carrying a Bible with them. You would have thought everybody was headed to church. Uh, it was something else to see, and the folks were so receptive uh, to receiving uh, copies of God's Word. Uh, the reading clubs, you all helped orchestrate and give over 2,300 books, and the reading clubs were a tremendous success, so we got a contact from a mom the other day. She came to one of the camps and she said, my son last night, I put him to bed at 8 o'clock and at 9.30 I looked in on him and he was sitting up reading those books that you had given him. And uh, so we were just uh, thrilled to see uh, what had happened uh, with the reading clubs, the Bible distribution, folks coming to Christ, uh, etc. If you look on the screen, this is just a brief description through pictures of this past week. You uh, would have noticed on there several scenes where we were feeding folks. I think we gave out over 3,000 meals this week. We feed all the children when they come. 
because the neighborhoods we in are essentially what you would call poverty-stricken communities. And many of these kids uh, come to us hungry. So one of the first things that we do is feed the children when they get there. Uh, that's to meet a hunger need. It's also to enable them to be able to concentrate on the Bible lessons. And what we're doing is we get into uh, the Vacation Bible School for the day. We had asked you to pray for the Calvert um, community. It was a community we just were very burdened. We felt like God was calling us there. We were able to put a team together and uh, to work in that. And Tuesday morning, when we realized we could put a team together to go in there, uh, we went out there at 11 o'clock, and the Bible school was supposed to start at 1 o'clock, and we went door-to-door -door, uh, putting out flyers and in, to give invitations for folks to come. And we had two hours from the time we got the flyers out in the community, a little over two hours, to the time the Bible school would start. We didn't know if anyone would show up. Thirty-some kids showed up the first day, and uh, they were off and running with that Bible school, and that was a tremendous answer to prayer there. And thank you for praying for that community, and we just saw the Lord do some, some great things there. Shrimp is a very uh, involved uh, adventure, and there's so many aspects to it, and what we're going to do in giving testimonies this morning is we've divided up, we've got four team members that are going to share with you aspects of where, how they experienced it, uh, share with you about the Bible distribution, about the reading camps, about the community that is shared together, being a part of Shrimp, encouraging one another, etc., and then about the evangelistic outreach that goes on as part of Shrimp. First of all, uh, we're going to hear about the Bible distribution, and one of our young men, Brandon, is going to share with you about that. Okay, so um, with Bible distribution, one thing that really like stuck out to me, first day I actually went out into the communities and did Bible distribution was Thursday, and it was me, Vicki, and Max. Um, so basically, what I just kind of struck me really, really fast is all of the people that we talked to, engaged with, just wanted a Bible. There was like a certain few that were just like, nah, I'm good, maybe next time. But uh, one thing that a couple of people have already heard multiple times, um, there was this one dude who absolutely did not want a Bible. And so, moved on, didn't, didn't even question it. Because some people were just like that. Um, moved on, ran out of Bibles, went back to Tidewater to get more Bibles, came back, dude kind of walked up to us and uh, actually started asking for a Bible. So I thought that was a really interesting experience, just wanted to share with you guys. Um, well, with Bible distribution, um, we took nine boxes to Tidewater with a good amount of Bibles in each box. And within two days, we passed out more than nine boxes of Bibles in just one community itself. So I thought that was really, really good. And then we kind of prayed over them each day that we passed out Bibles. And each kid got a Bible that trusted Christ as their Savior, either just wanted a Bible in general. Like every single kid that we had at our VBS camps, we tried to give a Bible to. So that's, that's what I was here for. Thank you, guys. This is uh, the Bible that was passed out. It is a children's Bible, but what surprised me was how many adults were anxious to get one. And one of the questions we were asked, I need a Bible I can read. And so these Bibles were disarming uh, and non-threatening, and also because they're so simple, folks that struggled with reading were very open and receptive to receiving them. So it was working as well with the adults. They were as anxious to get them as the kids were. 
Reading camps, you all gave over 2,000 books to our reading camp drive, and Sabrina's going to come and share with you about the reading camps. Well, hello. I'm very tired, as you can tell. <laughs> so this week I had the opportunity to be a reading leader at Shrimp, and that consisted of reading to children of all ages. And we were told during training that we were not to ask the children to read to us because some of them may not know how. And I was very impressed with how many children knew how to read, even though it might have not been at their grade level. Um, they were very interested in the books we displayed to them and excited they could take them home. And as Pastor David said, they would come back during the day and be like, oh, I read such and such books last night. And um, along with the books, we also passed out Bibles where adults and children were very receptive to them. Um, I'd had an encounter with a grandma named Trinity who wanted a Bible, and she said, thank you, I'm finally able to like understand this Bible because before she had a King James Version. And um, most of the time we never stop to think that um, people from those neighborhoods never have grown up reading God's Word, so therefore they don't understand it at such a high level. And um, I would just like to leave y'all with a verse that we had for the week, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me, come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Thank you. Heart of Shrimp is the community that we share in working with a large team and just building friendships and encouraging one another and serving together. And Caitlin's going to come and share with you about that. Hi, guys. Um, I'm Katie. So I was actually at a different site from Vicki and the others. Me and Zach were the craftspeople for there, for Broadlawn and Bainbridge Commons. And we didn't know any of them for the most part. We, I knew David and I knew, kind of knew of Rachel. That was it. I'd never really talked to these people, never said a word to most of them. It took maybe a day. We were laughing our butts off at each other because we were doing some of the silliest stuff and just making each other happy and laugh. And the kids, they loved us. They loved talking to us. They loved to, to just be with us. Um, the people we got to be with were so kind and generous and just some of the nicest people I've ever met. There is not a more fun and eye-opening group of people that you will ever meet other than the people that you meet at Shrimp because they all have a different story. They all have something different that they see. Like I would have never thought that I would get to bring a youth, me talking to youth, ha, get to bring a youth to Christ or help her, help guide her to Christ this week, past week, but I did. But only because people around me were guiding me and were be able to help me further myself a little more in Christ this week. Um, and the verse that Sabrina read to you, 
definitely applies to some of the stuff that we've experienced this past week. So uh, I would definitely recommend going. I would definitely give it a shot, even if you're nervous, because these people will accept you and they will love you, even if they don't know you at all. So thank you. And a good part of Shrimp is about sharing the good news of Jesus through evangelism. And Kaylee Thompson is going to come and share about how that took place. So this week at Shrimp, I was a crew leader. And um, <clears throat> before, so my first year I was a crew leader, except I never really understood the bracelet. And last year when I actually did figure it out, I had recreation, so I never really had a chance to show anybody with it. But this year we were at snack time, and I only had three kids at Diggs Park. And so one of them had said, oh, well, your bracelet matches the coat in the Bible story. And so he, I said, well, do you want to know what it means? So I got to teach him about the bracelet along with the two other kids that were with him. And so all three of them got saved. And that showed me that, that little kids can understand it and that now that I have the strength to know how to teach kids about it and... I figured it out that even though you're not at shrimp all year, you can even teach people about the bracelet past shrimp, like at school or at work or anything like that. So I thought that that was really cool to be able to teach kids about the bracelet. bracelet she was referencing is one that all of our team wears and the different colors take you through the plan of salvation and that was tied to John 3:16, uh, so you can share with people how they can come to know Jesus. We were also blessed this year uh, to be joined uh, by the first Hispanic Baptist Church youth group and uh, there was a group of uh, Hispanic young folks and they just had an energy and dynamism about them and worked alongside of us and we really enjoyed getting to know them and then they led part of the service, our closing service the other night in Spanish and that was a real blessing. Uh, Ronnie Thompson it was part of our team. You saw him in the picture there. He's one of our Bible teachers this week, and he wants to share a word of testimony with you, Ronnie. One day asked me a while ago where my shirt was. I looked at her and I looked down and I said, that's the last thing that was on my mind this morning was that shirt. <laughs> I never even thought about it out of work. I would like for all of these kids, I don't want to call them that, but that's what they are, to come and stand right here for just a minute. All of you that's got these green shirts on, every one of you in here know me, know who I am, been around for a long time. A lot of you have voted for me for the Board of Supervisors, and for that I appreciate it sometimes. Uh, other times I wonder why I do that. There's not a meeting that we have on the Board of Supervisors that we don't talk about the welfare and the well-being of our community, of our county, and its future. One of the uh, common complaints that we get from the, uh, the business community is qualified workers and leaders. And we labor with that all the time. Uh, again, I, I, I'm saying this, there's not a meeting that goes by that we don't talk about that. Uh, 
and they talk about the young people, we don't have the qualified people coming. But I'm gonna tell you, as this is your prodigy up here, I'm not worried about that nowhere near. And I'm telling you this, parents, listen to me. I am not worried about the future of Franklin County nowhere near as much today as I was last week. These kids, we in good hands. They did a bang up job. And it's because you and this church have taught me the difference between right or wrong. And mamas and daddies, you need to come up here and hug these babies. That's all I got to say. Say thank you to this congregation and reiterate what Tommy's, I mean Ronnie said. And again, you all gave the money for all the Bibles. You collected all the books. Our worship team led worship in the evenings, and then our team was just out there working on the streets. And you all blessed the whole team, and but you also blessed Hampton Roads. And I am always amazed when I'm out on site and I see this church leave this building and go into action. The impact that this congregation makes. God bless you and thank you for what you did to make shrimp a reality. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 1 through 13. I'm going to preach fast, you listen fast, and we're going to engage the Word of God together. Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 1 through 13. The context of this passage of Scripture in my sermon outline is contained in your bulletin, and it's the passage which was our theme for this week at Shrimp. The northern and southern kingdoms of Israel had long since divided, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah, had lasted the longest. It went through tremendous political, moral, and religious decline over time, and in 587 B.C., Judah fell to the Babylonians as Jerusalem, the capital city, collapsed. The policy in those days, if you conquered a country, was that you deported the people, particularly the political, religious leadership of the country, and you were deported back to the conquering nation. And in the context of this, Jeremiah is called to be God's prophet. It was not an hour that anybody would have picked to be God's prophet, a very difficult time. Jeremiah is compelled by God to bring a message to the nation as it's in exile, which is a message of both judgment and comfort. At times, he wanted to give up. He writes to a people who had fallen away from God. They were confused about God. They were not even sure if the Lord loved them anymore. In the 29th chapter of Jeremiah is an account of a letter that he wrote to those exiles who were in Babylon. Listen to his words, beginning with verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiachaniah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Eliax, the son of Shaphan, and Gamaliel, the son of Hilakah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. 
It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name, I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, God's message to the nation of Judah as it found itself in Babylon was that God can bless you in a strange place with weird people. And that is where they found themselves. Verse 4, the Lord says, I carried you into exile. People were tempted to say that they had been carried into exile by the Babylonians, but God is saying, I sent you into exile. You're in Babylon because I arranged for you to be in Babylon. And God often places us in places in life that we don't want to go, that we may not have chosen to go, and we feel like we are in exile in those places. And God's message often to us is, I arranged this. I know you didn't want it, and you didn't desire it, and you don't like it, but I arranged for you to get to this strange place with these weird people because I'm up to something. Now, God's message in verses 5 and 6 to his people was not what they wanted to hear. He said, you're in Babylon, you're in exile in Babylon, and you're going to be there for quite a while to come. In fact, it turned out they were there for 70 years. So he says, I want you to settle down. I want you to plant crops. I want you to go on ahead and plan for your children and your grandchildren to get married. You're going to be there for a while. And you might as well get in touch with what I'm trying to accomplish in your life. And often when we get to a place and a stage in life where we're not comfortable and where we don't want to be in a season in life that we don't particularly like, we tell God and we pray to God and we say, Lord, get me out of here and get me out of here in a hurry. And sometimes God's message to us is, I'm not getting you out of here in a hurry. In fact, I want you to settle into this place and I want you to find what I've got for you in this place because you're going to be here for a while. And our response to him, if it continues to be fussing and complaining and rebellion about where we are and we don't like this place and we want to go back, God, to where we used to be, etc., is God says usually, well, you just, just hang out there then be miserable. Until you decide you're going to follow me and listen to me, you're going to be miserable. But if you'll get on score with what I'm doing, it'll be entirely different. 
And so they had to learn to develop a spirit of submissiveness and obedience to the Lord and learning to listen to God in a situation that they chose not to be in. And when we get in those places in life where we're saying to the Lord, God, I don't want to be here and I feel like I'm in exile here. Rebellion is not the answer. Complaining is not the answer. Developing a spirit of submissiveness and obedience to the Lord and listening to Him and saying, God, even though I didn't choose this place, I will move with you in it. Now, God takes it a step higher. He says, I want you to bless the Babylonians. Can you imagine having been an Israelite in Babylon? You're there by force. You are in exile under the leadership of a foreign government that you can't stand. And God's message to you is, bless them. I think I would have said to the Lord, I'm sorry. Apparently my prayer line is clogged this morning and I'm just not hearing things. There's a whole lot of static on the line. God says, I want you to bless them. He says, in fact, the blessing, the welfare of the Babylonians is going to be directly tied to your welfare. So if I bless the Babylonians through you, you'll be blessed. And if I'm not blessing the Babylonians, you won't be blessed because your blessing is tied to the blessing of your enemies. Think about that. Your blessing is tied to the blessing of your enemies. Now, folks, all of us, unless you're extremely spiritual, godly, and a wonderful person, and so up on drugs you don't know what's going on, you've got an enemy. I'm just joking with you, but most people I know have got at least one enemy. I talked about just being, you know, spaced out on drugs because that we just happy with everybody. I was having some back trouble years ago, and they gave me something to help with my back. And I tell you one thing, I loved it because not only did it take away the back pain, I loved everybody. You could have walked up to me and cussed me out. And I just gave you a big hug and <laughs> sent you on your way. It was the most wonderful meds I've ever been on. <laughs> well, God says to them, you're going to have to pray a blessing on the Babylonians. One of the hardest prayers to ever pray is God bless an enemy. God bless that person that's blessing me out. God bless that person that's doing me in. But the Christ-like prayer we pray is God bless my enemy. God bless that person. What did Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. From the cross, he could have uttered judgment, but he blessed them. He blessed them with what they needed the most, forgiveness. And you see, what God calls us to do in that place and in that time is say, God, I'm not going to pray your judgment on my enemy. I'm going to pray and ask for your blessing on my enemy. And God said, if I bless Babylon... You're going to be blessed. So your blessing is directly tied to the blessing of your enemy. And so that is what they had to do. They had to begin to pray for the prosperity of the Babylonians. And as they did that, verse 10, God was able to have his full work in them. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Notice the phrase, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, God was doing a work among the Babylonians as sure as he was doing a work among the Israelites. Now, notice how your future is on God's mind. God then moves and he says, folks, this is what I'm doing. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. 
I want to break this verse apart. Follow me closely. It's in your notes. First of all, it says no. The Hebrew word used for knowledge there or translated no means to be well acquainted with someone. It carries the idea of using all your senses to understand someone else. In other words, when you walk up to somebody and you engage them in conversation, you use your eyes to see them, you use your ears to hear them, you may use your hands to touch them, you're using all your sense to take them in. That is the word that he's using there. So when God says, I know the plans I have for you, God is saying, listen Israel, I see you, I listen to you, I touch you, I even smell you. Israel, I'm using all of my senses. You see, when God goes to develop what he wants to do in our lives, it's not like he's sitting way back up in heaven on a throne somewhere totally out of touch with us. What he's saying is, I am up close and present in your life. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem and as he grew up and as he began to engage people in his life and his ministry, what was he saying about God? He was saying, God's not sitting up in heaven. He's here. I am the Son of God and I'm listening to you. I'm watching you. I'm touching you. I love the way Jesus so often healed people because what did he do? He took the power of God and he laid his hands on people's lives and healed them. He spoke his power into their lives. He raised dead bodies by taking the power of life and confronting the power of death. He cast out demons by getting close to where demonic activity was and right up in its face. You see, what he does is he knows us and he, because he knows us so well, he says, guess what I've done? He says, I know the plans that I have for you. The word plans there means to create a new idea. And what he's saying to the nation of Israel is this. I know, I know you backwards and forwards. I use all that I am. God is saying to know you. I know what I know, the plans that I have for you. I know the new ideas, the new creative ideas that I have for you. The Bible says that we are his new creation in Christ Jesus. Now follow me on this. God says, I know you backwards and forward, and I also know the new creative ideas that I have for you. The worst place so often we get as believers is stuck in a rut. Because we're, we get a hold of an idea of how God's going to use us, and we, God uses us in that place. But then God's got new creative ideas about what he's doing in our lives and what he's creating in us. And we're like, well, God, I am comfortable where I am, and I'm going to stay where I am. And I want to keep doing things the way I've been doing them because I enjoy it over here, Lord. And we got good memories and there's blessings. And God says, I know that. But God says, I'm a great God. I'm a big God. I'm a God full of creative new ideas. And I want to use your life in more ways than what you're aware of. Move with me in this. Move with me with a new creative idea that I've got. And sometimes God doesn't give us a whole lot of notice as to when the new idea is going to have to be lived out. Have you noticed that? And he never asked for our permission. He just says, here it is, go for it. And you don't get to vote on it, you just get to obey on it. This past week I was on the platform and Bonnie, who's our coordinator for Shrimp, was reading out where some of the change assignments were going to be. And she announced that I was going to be working registration at one of the sites. I've never worked registration. I don't like registration. Registration is not my thing. And I got out there on the table and I wanted to have an attitude so bad I didn't know what to do. In fact, I came this close to saying, I'm the director of this program and I'm trumping your authority on this one. I ain't working registration, all right? <laughs> 
But I said, maybe the Lord's got something for me at registration. I rather doubt it, but maybe he does. So I got to the registration, and I sat down, and Vicki put the registration form in front of me. And I began to look over the registration form, and I began to freak out because it wanted all these details, and I knew the kids were going to have to give me information, and I thought, this is ridiculous. I preach sermons, and I lead this team, and I am just, just having a meltdown over a registration form. And, and about that time, this little boy came up with his brother, and my blood pressure just started going up because I had to get him to fill out the registration form, and then I had to assign him to a crew. And you'd have thought they'd asked me to give a Ph.D. dissertation, and I was just freaking out there doing all that. And, and I was trying to help the little boy feel comfortable, and, of course, I didn't feel very comfortable myself. And so we're going back and forth in that registration form, and I began to realize, realized that God had placed me at the table for that little boy and his brother. And then we got them situated, and then a few, uh, about 30 minutes later, two of our teenagers uh, in our group there came over to me, and they said, Pastor, we've been talking to this young lady, and she wants to trust Christ, and uh, would you join us here, and would you help us as we share the Lord Jesus with her? And I had the joy of praying with that young lady um, with those teenagers around to trust Christ as her Savior. And God just began to show me, you just got to move with the flow of the new idea. And so many times, folks, we miss out on what God's got for us because God says, I got a new idea, a new plan. And we don't like it or we're scared of it or we're comfortable where we are. He says, I've got a plan for you. Verse 11, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. He's the one who has pledged himself to us to prosper you, verse 11. Oh, the word here is just so full of meaning. He says to prosper you. Now, in the United States, we interpret prosperity always as more money and more stuff. That is not the idea of the word that's used there. The idea word of the word means a state of fulfillment that comes from godly character. A state of fulfillment that comes from godly character. The Hebrew context is the, the word shalom, which means in, it means wholeness. And he's saying this, the plans that I have for you are to create within you a sense of fulfillment that comes from having godly character. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you for your welfare, to give you that internal sense of wholeness of fulfillment. How many of us live our lives and we can honestly say, I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm in the will of God, living out the will of God, being the person the Lord wants me to be, living out what God has for me. That's what he's saying here. That's the idea of the prosperity that he has here, to give you hope and a future. The idea of hope is living with an expectation that God is at work and He is accomplishing His will. Now, our responsibility, verse 12, He says, You will call upon me and pray to me and seek for me with all your heart. I want to draw attention to two words in the verse 12 that speak of our responsibility. First of all, He says, You will call upon me. The idea there is of a planned encounter with God. In other words, I'm going to plan... To encounter him. I'm going to set time aside. To get in his presence. And talk to him. And know him. Follow what I'm about to say. If you will plan your encounters with God. You will be far less likely to miss out. On the unplanned encounters with God. If you will plan encounters with God. 
a daily time alone with Him, you will be far less likely to miss those unplanned encounters with God. In other words, if I'm in touch with the Lord at 9 in the morning because I had my quiet time at 7 o'clock, then when God shows up and does something I didn't expect at 2 o'clock, I'm far more likely to recognize it. But if I don't spend time with the Lord at the beginning of the day, there's a good chance I'm going to miss what He's trying to teach me at the middle of the day. Have a planned encounter with Him. And then He says, you will call upon me, and I want to draw attention to the word pray. The word, Hebrew word there, pray, means to break yourself. What's He saying? You will call upon me and pray to me. You will break yourself when you come to me. Basically what he's talking about is humility. You will call upon me and come and be broken in humility. And I will hear you. Nothing blocks us in prayer like pride. But when we come before him and we are broken in humility. God I need you. Lord I'm going to listen to you. Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you. He says, I will hear you. When my son was a little boy, he could not articulate to me paragraphs and sentences. Often, all he could articulate was a word or a sound. And as his dad, all I needed was a sound or a word, and it had my attention. When he says here, I will hear you, when we are broken before the Lord, when we are humble before the Lord, often we don't pray big paragraphs and fancy sentences. All we can say before God is just, God, hear me, Jesus. Sometimes all we can do is a sound. God's saying, I hear the sound. I hear your word. I hear your sound. And that's all I require. And I'll move and respond to it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you this morning to, Lord, help us get in touch with your plans. To bring us to the place of purpose and fulfillment. To, Lord, just make that sound to you. You take over, Lord. You hear us to humble ourselves before you and to know those plans, Lord, to know that place of fulfillment before you and with you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and say to him today, I want to follow you and know you in just a moment as we sing a hymn of invitation In response, I want to invite you to walk the aisle of this church and give your life to Jesus Christ this day and choose to follow Him. If you're here and you've made that decision, you need to make it publicly and come forward and say, Hey, I've decided to follow Jesus and I need to be received for baptism and into the fellowship of this church so I can serve the Lord with these folks here and and follow Him. We invite you to come. If God is speaking to you in any other way, you need prayer or you just need to come and make that known, we invite you to. If you just need to come and pray, feel free to do that.
Lord, have your way with us in these moments now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.